You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Poulos, and today I had the opportunity to interview Jim Gibbons. Jim is the assistant athletic director, head baseball coach, and assistant football coach at the Ravenscroft School in Raleigh, North Carolina. He's been there since 2008 and helped develop a very unique program that we find in the high school sports world called the Student Athlete Leadership Training Program, or SALT for short. He also serves as one of the key mentors for those student athletes that are in the program to this day. We will talk about that program much more during today's conversation, uh, but prior to Ravenscroft, Jim worked at the Westminster Schools in Atlanta, and prior to that, he coached at the collegiate level for 13 years at a number of colleges to include Wingate University, the University of Buffalo, Buffalo State, Cornell, and his alma mater, Ithaca College. At Ithaca, Jim played football for Hall of Fame coach Jim Butterfield and was a member of their 1988 Division III National Championship team. You will hear about his experiences there, uh, along with the SALT program and the great work that he's doing at Ravenscroft and more during our conversation today. So I hope you enjoy it on another great episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. Jim, good morning. How are you doing today? I'm good, Luke. Thanks for having me on this morning. Thank you for taking time out of your day. I know you're, I know you're busy down at Ravenscroft School. Um, the, one of the big reasons why we invited you on the show is to talk about your student athlete leadership training program. One of the more unique programs that we've come across, especially at the, the high school level. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about your time as a college athlete yourself. Um, before the podcast, we were talking about your time at, at Ithaca College up in upstate New York. Could you just uh, tell us a little bit about your background there? Um, I spent four years there. I was a, a backup quarterback for most of my time, um, but was part of an unbelievably successful program. Um, in my four years there, the team was 38 and 8. Um, we had a college Hall of Fame head coach in Jim Butterfield, who had great assistants. Um, and I had some great teammates around me and, and experienced some great leadership um, from the guys that were captains above me. Yeah, being part of a program in college like that with, with the Hall of Fame coach and that supporting cast and the unbelievable leadership you experience, I'm sure has shaped how you approach team leadership at Ravenscroft and has definitely had influence on the student-athlete leadership training that, that you guys have there. What specifically about your coach in college did you specifically love or, or was there anything specific that he did with team leaders or captains that you thought really did a good job developing the overall culture of the team? Um, every spring he would have the, the team out in the bleachers and he would ask the seniors to stand up and he would basically tell the team, this is their team. This is the seniors team and how they lead us is how we're going to be. And um, we were extremely fortunate to have three great captains. Um, one was a center, one was a linebacker, and one was a nose guard. And they were three no-nonsense guys who held the players accountable. 
Um, and because of that, we were very fortunate to, to have a great run and uh, win a national championship in 1988. That's awesome. And, and I, I think that just goes to show how much of a impact it has, not just on the senior leadership, but, but the rest of the players, something like that has, has stuck with you for, for many years after your time being there. Um, and obviously played uh, a significant role in your guys' success as a college. Um, moving on to present day at Ravenscroft School down in, in North Carolina, you guys have, uh, as previously mentioned, one of the best leadership programs for high school athletes that we've come across in our research. Could you just tell us a little bit about what the program is, you know, how it came about, and some of the underlying values and principles that the staff and faculty and the, and the coaching staffs really encourage? Sure. Um, when I was hired in 2008, um, the assistant head of school charged me with starting a student mentoring program. Um, it took until about 2010 when we really got it off the ground. Um, and we started using um, Jeff Jansen, who's at University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, with his leadership captain's manual. Um, and then we've sort of built on it from there. We've involved proactive coaching, um, which is out of the state of Washington. Um, from with a former coach who runs that and his seven ways to lead a team. Um, and then in 2011, our school as a whole joined with the Center for Creative Leadership in trying to create a whole entire school experience. Um, and we have a program that the two of us have combined upon called Lead From Here. Um, and there's three um, circles in a Venn diagram of leading self, leading with others, and changing your world. And there's five characteristics that students, faculty, staff, administrators all had input on, you know, getting it together. And that sits all across campus. That is our framework. Um, if anyone wants more information on it, they can go to ravenscroft.org and it's all on our website. But um, that program runs from pre-K through 12. And obviously we're an independent school and that's unique. Um, but what they teach my daughters in first grade is the same language I'm using with high school athletes that are juniors and seniors out on the athletic field. Yeah, that was one of the first things I saw when I went to the, the school's website it is leadership is, is strewn across every page, um, definitely deeply instilled into the, the values and cultures of your school. Um, citizen leader was one that I kept coming across. And, and I was going to ask you, when does that actually start? And it sounds like from, from day one, when a student steps onto the, the campus or into the, the schoolhouse, that they are immediately inculcated into this this leadership framework and like you said the the lexicon and the language that you you use and and the consistency um, is an important part of that so i guess what do you guys do specifically um, for the athletes how do, how do athletes get into the the salt program um, the student athlete leadership training program how how are they brought into it um, and how much involvement do the, the coaches have in that program? Um, the, the selection of the students is we ask the, the varsity head coaches for the nominations. Um, and there are four um, mentors to the group, myself, um, Carrie Norman, who's an assistant AD and our head girls lacrosse and field hockey coach, Kevin Billerman, who's in the upper school administration and our head basketball coach, and Roxanne Roberts, who's a physical educator and the JB girls basketball coach. The four of us run all the, the meetings. 
Um, but we take those nominations from the head coach and we also meet with our upper school head, uh, Peter Bogue, to go over the list of students to see, um, you know, is there anybody we're missing? Um, but we take two from each varsity team and then we have four to five administrative slots of students that we feel that are leaders in the hallway, um, you know, may not be, may be on a team that has a, a multiple group of leaders. Um, but we leave the head coaches nominations up to what they think is best for their team. Um, some teams will take a junior and a senior. Some will take two seniors. Um, some will take kids who are very quiet and shy and need the vocal leadership training. Um, and other people will take their captains. I think the big thing we talk about with our group is it's not a captain's group. It's a leadership group. And that the students selected there may be chosen captain or they may not be. And just because they're a captain doesn't mean the coach wants them in the leadership group. And I think each coach has a different perspective on how they go about nominating who they want in the program and how that comes back to, to work with each individual team. Right. That was going to be one of my, my follow questions was, is it always the captains that end up in this group? And it sounds like it's more up to the coaches and a coach's philosophy on how they want to utilize this group and, and what players they, they choose to send. Like you said, um, it could be people who need a little bit more push or it could be the captains and they just want to, continue to build upon that leadership within their team. I read one of the testimonials um, from a student who I guess as a, as a freshman or sophomore was introduced to the group during a bring a teammate session. So is that something else that, that students are offered? Members of the program are able to bring along um, maybe a younger member of their program as well? Yes, we, um, by each sports season, fall, winter, and spring, we have a, fall sport only, winter sport only meeting with just the members of our group. And we actually go through and talk about what's positive going on with your team. And without using names, what's negative going on with your team and how can we help solve those conflicts and to get input from the other sports. Um, and we're actually going to have one tomorrow uh, with the winter sports team, which is bring, a, bring a, a teammate. And in that session, we actually have them talk about strengths and weaknesses of their team and how they can go about finishing the last third of their season um, by using help. So when you get into a season, obviously the same voice gets, gets a little tone deaf sometimes. Um, so we talked to some of the seniors about how can you use these underclassmen, these juniors or sophomores that play a significant role on your team to reach out to some of their you know, friends and their teammates that you may not have as good a feel for, or they're tired of hearing you say, tuck your shirt in, run through the line, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so we, we let them have their, their team discussion. And because we have four mentors, we purposely stay away from our own team. So mm -hmm. when we meet tomorrow, our varsity boys basketball coach, he'll go, maybe he'll go with swimming or wrestling. And then Kerry uh, Norman might go with the varsity boys basketball. I might go with girls basketball. Roxanne would take uh, swimming or wrestling. We would all just divvy up who we go to. And then we would actually rotate. But we would keep the actual sport-specific coach away from his or her team. So that allows those student athletes to have a, an honest conversation without their coach there. Yeah, that's one of the, it's really interesting you bring that up, Jim. Um, one of my last conversations with, with Stephen Mays, he's the author of um, the, the Power of Three Lessons in Leadership. And one of the things that he brought up that I was really intrigued that he talked about was um, a captain's influence and depending on others. And he mentioned, obviously, depending and helping your coaches and then helping and leading and getting help from, from your, your teammates. But one of the interesting ones that he had that you don't see very often mentioned 
is the impact that you can have on other sports and other programs captains and how those other sports and programs captains can impact you and your team. And I think you guys are kind of doing that with bringing all of the programs together into these groups and then also having the different perspective of, of those different coaches having a hand in, in their teams. And, and I'm guessing the, the impact's been phenomenal. You know, you want to have a, a diverse group of ideas and a diverse group of backgrounds. Um, so I think you guys are definitely on the right track there. It's just, it was, it's cool to see the, the similarity there and the parallel from one of my previous conversations. Um, is there anything special? When we start our first meetings is that you need to share amongst the group because you might have a great idea sitting right across the room. And because you're with the girls volleyball team, you don't know what the boys golf team does. And it might be something really unique that you could, you know, embed into your program and help your program get better. Um, so we try to encourage that conversation. And especially when we do the sports specific meetings of being able to ask, well, how would your team handle this? And to hear another opinion in the room and hopefully that will, you know, help them when they come to managing conflict. Yeah. And that, and that's the biggest thing. And I know we men you mentioned before when we were talking that how you help the members of your group through conflict is one of the most important lessons that you guys instill upon your student athletes. Could you just tell us a little bit more about what it is specifically that you guys help with in terms of overcoming conflict on your teams and, and what captains and team leaders can do to get their teams through it? Sure. Um, through the Center for Creative Leadership, um, they have a, a tool that we use um, that they, they've taught us as faculty and staff, and we've passed along to the athletes, um, which is SBI, and that stands for Situation, Behavior, and Impact. Um, and that sort of guides the athlete or the person through how to approach somebody, explaining them clearly, here's the situation, here's your behavior, and here's the impact on the team or the other people. And um, you know, using that tool, we actually have a little video that explains it to them. And then we go ahead and give them uh, created scenarios. And as a group, they'll go sit there and they'll figure out how they want to solve that situation. Um, and then we actually ask them to practice within the group to go from one athlete to another, explaining, you know, yesterday in practice, when coach was asking us to do this, you jogged across the line every time and coach made us run extra. Um, and that has an impact on everybody else because you're not hustling. And then obviously to teach the, the student athlete, when do you have that conversation and where? Um, I think that's a big piece of it of, do you do it right on the spot? Do you do it after practice? Obviously if it's a game situation, we encourage them to stay away from doing it in a game. Um, but you know, to teach the student athlete, how, how do you handle it and when and who, who does it? Is it a one-on-one? -on -one? Is it a two captains or two leaders on one? You do it in front of the whole team so everyone's aware of this is not going to be tolerated. Our coach has a standard and we're going to uphold it. Um, and I think that's the hard part of navigating any conflict, um, whether that's student athletes or whether that's me as a coach or anybody else. Yeah, I, I really like that, that model. Um, it, it really reminds me and is extremely similar to one of the skills that the, the military actually teaches in, in resilience training. And I know resiliency is, is one of the main factors in, in your leadership at Ravenscroft. And one of the, the skills that it, it reminded me of is uh, effective communication and, and the steps in effective communication are almost exactly what you laid out 
in terms of that the SBI. It's you know you, you start a conversation, you go directly to a specific instance in the recent past as an example, and you don't exaggerate it. You you kind of just give the facts of what the situation was. You don't let your opinion guide it at all, and then you kind of lead the person to what the impacts of those decisions or the lack of decisions led to. And then you try to get the person to agree to some sort of easy win, um, help them understand what will continue to happen if they, they continue their action or what the positive outcome could be if they stop that action. Um, and then trying to get them to, to change that behavior and, and let them see what that change could be. So I, I love that a lot. Um, and I think the other piece of that is how much focus your program puts on the interpersonal relationship aspect of leadership. And I think that's a piece that a lot of programs and maybe teams kind of push to the side. Um, and they focus more of on the field, serving as an example, hard work um, when no one's watching. But through my conversations with previous guests, it always comes back to in one way or another, the importance of interpersonal relationship and that, that emotional intelligence to understand how to overcome adversity. Um, and I, I just love what you guys are doing there in terms of the resiliency and, and the communication piece. Thank you. And I think the opportunity that we provide them to, to practice and to have the, the sport conversations of how would another team handle it gives them some tools to work with the SBI. But, you know, this situation came up with another team. We're having the same issue. Well, they're handling it this way and we're trying to handle it this way. What about if we went about it the way they're trying? Does that help us? Um, and to give them those opportunities before they actually run into the conflict, you know, gives them a, a step ahead of the, the, the normal leadership group. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's one step further from, again, we were talking previously how there's a lot of training and, and information and kind of lecture type um, leadership training out there. But in terms of the, the actionable development, I think that practice and, and giving them the environment immediately after teaching them a skill is super important to actually instilling that into them. Because if you go ahead and you teach these student athletes, oh, this is how you handle this kind of conversation, or this is how you deal with conflict, and they never actually get to use it until a real situation arises, you're going to have way less of a percentage that can successfully get through it compared to what you guys are doing in giving them an environment where it's okay to test these out and you have the, the, the multifacet of multiple sports that they're able to practice and bounce ideas off of. And that way, when they come to a time of conflict, like you said, you know, they've already been through some sort of scenario where they've had to employ this and they're way more comfortable doing it when they actually need to do it. Correct. So on top of the, the, the conflict, resolution and those interpersonal relationships and, and your overall program, how do you feel as uh, part of the athletics department and, and some of your coaches, how do you feel they make the biggest impact on your players and your student athletes and their development as leaders? I think it's school wide with our, with our lead from here program that every kid is taught you know, the leadership skills and, um, some kids are going to feel more comfortable stepping into some of those roles, but they've all been equipped with the same tools. And I think that increases our opportunity to have better leadership across the board. Um, 
you know, I think our, our coaches do a really good job of trying to mentoring the kids. Um, I know specifically I'm an assistant coach with football and uh, the head baseball coach. And I, I do, we do different things for different sports because they're, they're handled differently. Um, but I, you know, I always try to meet with our leaders on the football team, um, you know, after practice or before practice to get a hold of them, just to sort of remind them of a couple of things. Um, and then with baseball, um, we have a unique thing that we do. We don't have captains. Um, a couple of years ago, I had a senior who wanted to have a big buddy program. Um, but I didn't have enough big buddies because we were really young. So we went to what we called accountability groups. Mm-hmm. And we had four seniors. And that allowed me to, instead of the kids voting for captain and having two kids, two seniors captain and two not, to have four groups. And then we had shared leadership. Um, and they were accountable for, you know, three, three members each. So for the 16-member team, there are four groups of four. And those four seniors were sort of in charge of their younger guys and you know, because we had eight or nine freshmen on the varsity baseball team. So to be able to say, make sure they're wearing the right uniform, they're at practice on time, they're doing the right thing, instead of me and my assistant coach being the, the voice on them, there was a senior leader guiding them in the right direction and help and helping them get to where they need to be. Um, and that's a model we've used pretty much every year since. Um, and it's been pretty good for our baseball program because it's a smaller group of teams compared to a football or a lacrosse or a track program I love that that model especially like you said you had such a young team um, instead of having all of your your culture pushed by the coaches you you were able to use that smaller group of seniors and make them accountable for all of the the younger guys on the team and obviously baseball is a little bit more of a a unique team dynamic where it's more of a a one-on-one sport between the pitcher and the and the batter and then you have the rest of your team behind you. Um, do you think that poses a, a challenge when it comes to leadership for sports like baseball or um, even, even solo sports like tennis or wrestling where you're an individual competitor, but you're still in a team environment? That's a point we've had conversation with in our group. And I always ask them when we have our initial meeting, you know, what is leadership and get the feedback from the kids. But I asked, what is it like when, um, you know, football and basketball and lacrosse, you can sub. But tennis, you play a ladder to get one through six. Mm-hmm. And wrestling, you go head-to-head and have a wrestle-off to who's going to be in the lineup for that weight class. Yep. So you have a little more competition for position, but you can't sub that person out. So that's a different group dynamic to deal with from those sports. I've also asked our golfers, when you tee off on the first hole and you go and four holes later, you're out on hole number four or five and the last person on your team tees off, how do you lead yep. when you're thousands of yards apart and you don't see that person until the end of the match? You know, how does the leadership work in a scenario like golf, which to me is very, very unique? Um, it's still a team sport and everybody counts, but you don't see your teammate. Um, and I think there's a lot, you know, each sport has its own little intricacies and they're all different and you know we just try to help the kids you know see what what they can do and how can they do it and you know in golf and wrestling and track is it more of a practice leadership as opposed to that game when they go out there by themselves and they're they're one-on-one exactly and I think that that last piece is so important that you just mentioned when you can't be there physically in the moment for, for those sports like golf or, or tennis or, or track or wrestling, 
it, it really stresses the importance of your leadership day in and day out through practice, off the field, in the classroom, um, hanging out with your teammates, getting to know them on, a, on an emotional level and, a, and build more of a deeper relationship. Because once that, once you tee off or your match starts, you're on your own and, and the rest of the guys or gals on your team are on their own as well. So they have to have something to fall back on in terms of an example or, or a mindset that you as a leader and that you as a, as a coach or a program leader, you have instilled consistently that you don't have to be there physically in their face reminding them about it. So I think that's a, a great point. Um, about leadership in those in those unique sports and if I can just to go back you mentioned the word a little while back a couple questions back about culture um, and that's obviously the buzzword in, in the college football world is how do you create this culture and how do you get to be like a Clemson or an Alabama and mm -hmm. um, I think that's what each team here tries to do is um, you know each head coach has their own way about it and has you know their athletes doing certain things I know with baseball I entrust my entire warm-up to my seniors, how they stretch, how they throw. I've given them some guidelines, but I don't go down the foul line and chase them around, and I give them time to have some senior leadership where the coaches aren't there, and they can get the team warmed up, and then, you know, the charges on those seniors, when they come back, those guys are expected to be ready to go. Um, you know, and each sport has their the own way they do it. I know in the offseason, our varsity boys basketball team has shoot-arounds in the morning before school, and they are player-led. Um, our head coach opens the gym, but it's all on the players. They teach the drills, and they're expected to pass on that, you know, what they've learned from the guys before them and what is expected. And um, I think the more culture that the, the teams build and what they pass along from the seniors to the juniors, sophomores, and freshmen um, helps keep that, you know, going and keeps the program in, in good leadership. Yeah, I'm glad you – I'm really glad you brought up the, the culture aspect because especially, and it's great what, what you do with your captains and what the basketball team does with their leaders, you oftentimes see in high school that coaches really limit what their captain's responsibilities are. And I, and I think it's, it's a hinder to themselves as, as, as coaches. Um, they're taking on more than, than they need to, and they're really hurting their teams. Hurt's a strong word, but they're really not letting their teams grow in a way that they could if they empowered their their leaders and even their younger guys. I think it's incredible you do not see too many high school, especially at the high school level. You know, a captain is is chosen by the coach sometimes and pretty much their only responsibility is maybe lead a static stretch and they go out to the the middle of the court or the middle of the field for for a coin toss and that's it. And I think some of the programs with the best cultures are those where a coach can kind of go to his his core his core group of players and say, "Hey, this is what he has a conversation with them about. What culture do we want to have? This is where I envision the team going. Where do you all see it going?" And then from there, he lets the the leadership on the team kind of push that down because the more a a team is led by other players and less by coaches in terms of of the culture and and just in general, the more productive and the more buy in. <laughs> you're going to have on that team. Um, a quote that we have on the website at the captain's coaches, a team full of sheep led by a lion will always defeat a team full of lions led by a sheep. Um, and it goes right in line with a, a, a player led, 
a player coach team will always beat a coach coach team. Um, and that's a, that's a quote from, from um, the, the Spurs. And I think it's just in line with, with everything we've just talked about in terms of culture as well. Sure. And I think the word we use here on campus is accountability mm-hmm. and making sure that the players are holding each other accountable. And, you know, I tell my seniors that, you know, they're in charge of the locker room. And when guys leave the locker room, if we're supposed to be in a, proper, a certain uniform for practice or for a game that day, that, you know, they're holding the other players accountable, not one guy's got blue socks on instead of the, the team issued green because he forgot his. And how do they handle that? And how do they help him? It might be that you have an extra pair of socks and you share with them for that day. So everybody's the same and everybody's on the same page. And, um, you know, as I mentioned about our pregame warmup, I know other teams do that. Um, we had a very successful boys varsity soccer team this year. And for every game I either watched from our football practice field or was up there on the sideline, their seniors led their warm-up, And it was the coaches were nowhere around. And it was like the coach was standing right there. And when, you know, as you said, when the teams can do that, those players leading, it, it takes a lot of the burden off the coach. But there's another voice. And it's not just the coach telling the player. It's the player telling the player, this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is our culture. And this is the standard we're going to live up to. Exactly. And, and I really like that, that uh, the phrase you just used about it, it's another voice. The, the more voices you have that are actually bought into and actually are, are constantly reinforcing the culture and values on your teams, it, just the more it's going to be ingrained year after year. Um, and, and I think that is just something that I think a lot of high school programs overlook and that, that your school and all of your sports teams serve as a, as a prime example of that you can accomplish this even at a high school level and and for colleges that are out there especially at that level they can they can continue that leadership at that level um outside of everything we've discussed so far jim is there any other advice that you have for team captains or coaches at any level it doesn't have to be just high school but any advice for them that are looking for guidance in in leadership development I just think you take the opportunity to, to, to read and to look on YouTube at videos and you know, listen to podcasts like this one right here. Um, somebody out there is always doing something different. Um, a long time ago, I was at a high school baseball clinic and I heard a top division one pitching coach um, from the University of Virginia, Coach K, talk about um, he's a thief. He steals something from everybody and then he pieces it together for what works best for him. and his athletes. Um, and I think there's just so much great information out there. You just got to be open-minded to seeing what other, what others are doing. And then what can you do to implement that into your individual program? What works best for, for you and your team? And um, me being an assistant athletic director and working with all the team's leaders, um, each team is going to have different dynamics and different issues. And um, we've had student athletes come in and sit down one-on-one and say, we're having this issue with our team. How, how can we do it? How do we solve it? Um, you know, we do encourage that the student athletes go back and meet and talk with their coaches about, we had this talked about in um, this topic was talked about today in student athlete leadership. How can we do this better? And to have that conversation, because the coach is the one who nominated you to be in our program. And, you know, to have those conversations, the open lines of communication of, coach to athlete and then athlete to athlete and you know obviously the the position that we've entrusted that student leader or captain into um you know helps them grow and hopefully they can take that with them after they leave here and go on to college and into the real world 
Yeah, I think that's that's always a big piece is standing on the shoulders of of those who have come before you. And I think the the student athlete leadership training that you have at Ravenscroft is a is a perfect example of that. You know, when you first started talking about how the program came to fruition, you mentioned at least three or four other programs or paradigms or other institutions that have some sort of leadership development or leadership training and how you took pieces of each of them and kind of made it your own. So I think that that's great advice for any programs out there that are looking to develop their own um, can obviously use yours as an example and those ones that you mentioned. And there's countless numbers of, of other programs and ideas and, and ways of doing anything out there. Um, so I think that's, that's great advice. And then for obviously those aspiring team leaders and team captains out there, just your continued knowledge, growth of knowledge and, and yearning to, to learn more about your sport, learn more about leadership in general, not just on the field, but also off the field. Um, I, the great advice all around in terms of, of program development and also of personal leadership development. So Jim, moving more into the, the conceptual side of, of our conversation, I just want to start with what is your definition of leadership? Uh, my defin definition of leadership would be is leading yourself first, um, which is obviously the wording comes from, from our school motto. Um, but then obviously, how can you help your teammates and being a servant leader? Um, if you can serve your teammates to get them to, to be on the same page um, as you and your coaching staff, I think that's the, the biggest part of it. Yeah, I think you really, it really comes down to that relationship again, empowering yourself and then those around you to to accomplish that that common goal um, on top of the the definition of leadership what do you think the two biggest responsibilities of a team captain are or if you'd prefer what are the two or three characteristics that you think are most important to make a great captain i think they need to be able to do everything that you're supposed to do the right way first um, and if they can't do that, obviously they're going to have a hard time getting others to follow along. Um, I think communication with the coaching staff is key. Um, having that back and forth, you know, ability to, to go to a coach and say, this is what's going on and how do we handle it? And, or, you know, do you want us to handle this or should you handle this? Um, and, and then obviously being a, a, a vocal encourager to their teammates, they need to be the positive voice. Um, and I try to take that same approach with my assistant coaches as they need to be the positive guy and let me be the hammer as, as the head coach for baseball. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, to have them supporting each other and, and being on the same page as the coaches and, um, you know, taking care of what they need to get done first and foremost so the others see this is the right way to do it. I think those are great. Do you have a, a, an example maybe – uh, one or two of the the best captains you've ever coached or experienced firsthand and and what made them so successful in their leadership? Um, I have two different instances. One would be the college team I played for at Ithaca, um, and it was a direct one-to-one -one with me. Um, our linebacker captain, who I had minimal interaction with because I was on the other side of the ball, we had a hill at the edge of the field that we would run up to to get to the road to walk back to our facility. And I pulled up a step or two short and didn't run off the field. 
and he sent me back down the hill all the way across the field to the fence and back four or five times um, to prove the point of we don't fall, finish, we finish, we don't pull, pull up short. Um, and from that day that that happened in my junior year until the day I graduated, when I ran up that hill, I didn't stop. I ran up the sidewalk across the intersection, up the hill about a half a mile to our, to our building. And just, he proved the point to me that it wasn't going to come up short. That little thing wasn't going to be the difference in us winning and losing. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of carried it on. Um, but to, to finish things off and I thought we had great leadership on that team to this day, we had a 30th year uh, reunion this fall and to see all the guys and where they've gone to. Um, and the same three guys are leading the charge that we did when we were players. Um, so it's carried on lo- much longer than a, a four year span of a, a college football career. Um, and then I was a high school in Atlanta back in 2004 and we had two unbelievable players who were the voice of the team and the, they had the team in the palm of their hand. If they said sprint, they sprinted. And there was player-led leadership on that team that I have not seen in any other high school. Um, and I've coached three different sports. I've been at wrestling, football, and baseball. It was a unique mix of two kids who are unbelievable athletes. Um, we had one day in the play- our playoff run where our head coach threw the players off the field. And the kids went and had a meeting, and they came sprinting back through the gates and said, we're ready to work. And it was led by those guys and just a, a great opportunity to see young men step up and get their teammates back on the, the track and, and to finish the season strong. That's awesome. Two great stories. And, and one takeaway from, from your first story about that reunion, I think that's always a great marker, obviously in the, in the future, but of great leadership and a great culture on a team is how all of the members of that program are doing in in the right in the real world outside of sports and and throughout their their adulthood when you have a program like that it really speaks volumes to the the level of culture and how much it played a part in not only your your sports career but also your development um as like you say at Ravenscroft a, a citizen leader um but Jim, I don't want to take too much of your, your time this morning. You've, you've been a great guest on the show. But before you go, I'd want to get just two last questions. Um, if you could leave us with your favorite book on leadership or coaching and also your, your favorite quote on leadership or coaching. Sure. Um, I have two books. I'm a big John Gordon guy, but The Hard Hat, 21 Ways to Be a Great Teammate. Um, and the other one is a little bit older, um, but it's uh, got the naval background, Mike. A Brashoff, I believe, was an admiral in the Navy. It's his book, It's Your Ship, mm-hmm. um, and how he went in and changed the culture. I think those are two great reads for players or coaches. Um, and the quote I use, I use this in one of my weightlifting classes to student athletes and students in general, is to invest your time, don't spend your time. Um, if you're going to be there, make yourself better, make your team better. Just don't put the time in to say, I'm in the weight room. Um, you, know, you really need to to get after it and invest in what your your body and your development. Awesome. I love that quote. I'm going to have to write that one down, put it in my collection of quotes here. But awesome. Thanks again, Jim, for your time and and for your wisdom on on leadership development. And and thank you for for sharing some of the, the insights and, and lessons learned from the student athlete leadership training program at Ravenscroft. I love what you guys are doing down there. And hopefully you're able to, to continue it and serve it as an example for, for programs around the country. But 
thanks again, Jim. I really appreciate it. Luke, thank you for having me and uh, Ravenscroft School on your uh, podcast with you and Ben, and um, look forward to following up and to see what new things you guys have in the future. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Poulet. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.